You're listening to Market Scale Health. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I'm talking to Kyle Robertson, the founder and CEO for Narrative DX. Kyle, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. So let's get the one boring, normal, traditional interview question out of the way. Tell me how you wound up with the idea and in the position to found Narrative DX. Uh, I have a very non-normal answer to that question. I, uh, I never in a million years would have thought that I would be working in healthcare. Um, originally, I was an artificial intelligence engineer, um, and I spent some time as an intellectual property lawyer after that. Uh, and I even had a company before this that was in the nonprofit tech space, none of which had to do with healthcare. It's by pure coincidence uh, through a mutual friend that I met my co-founder, Dr. Sanim Ganey, who was an organizational communication PhD who was studying how comments people left in surveys at IBM could be understood and used to make better overall decisions in the organization, sort of understanding the root causes from comments and, and how you could make better decisions. And I thought that was a really interesting concept to bring to healthcare um, because a, a couple of years ago, the government changed how doctors are reimbursed for their services, and it relies heavily on, on some scores where the comments on those surveys would really help hospitals perform better. So through a random coincidence, I met this person who had that idea and sort of my background combined with hers, we thought, hey, we could take this common analysis idea into healthcare and make a difference. So I have to ask you a question. As a, I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the compliment of tech nerd. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a tech nerd, do you do you find it astonishing just how prevalent technology is becoming in what I want to call the wet space world of healthcare? It's really an interesting blend. It's it's absolutely an interesting blend. So I was I was recently uh, one of our clients. Um, we're very fortunate is Cedar Sinai, and they're a cutting edge research institution. And I was out there talking to the head of of research, and he was telling me about how they now have human gut on a chip or basically the ability to take you know, a bacteria from someone's gut, put it on a silicon wafer, put it in the lab, and experiment on that. And that just simply blew my mind. I think of the world as sort of ones and zeros, artificial intelligence, uh, but exactly to the point of your question, I'm continually blown away with how things are progressing. The th one of the things I find the most fascinating, but also it, it, one of those aha moments that you think, wow, why did, how did it take us so long to figure this out? There is such a massive amount of data in the human body. We don't generally think about that. We think data is computers and data centers and the internet. And we don't think about just the ridiculous number of parameters that exist in the human body. How, how do you see artificial intelligence's massive scalability and ability to sort of decode the mysteries that are contained in humans? Uh, that's, that's a great question. I think the, the most concrete value is going to be, even if, even if a human could look at that data and, and make the decision on what they should do, as you pointed out, there's simply so much of it. And due to the fact that there's that much of it, we can't look at it all. I think what AI is going to help with is helping us scale what do we look at, just the sheer volume of it, in addition to once we look at it, can we make better decisions to get better outcomes? So both a quality of analysis and a scale factor 
But, you know, just there's more data available now than there ever has been, and it's growing at an exponential rate. Without AI, I would posit that we would just be unable to handle the data volumes that are going to be coming in the very near future. Technology seems to be such an effective tool at parsing out all of these different sort of disparate pieces of data and finding the actual context is where the intelligence part comes into the equation. That's exactly right. And uh, one thing that I think is very valuable, you see a lot more AI platforms succeeding when they're domain specific. So for, my, for example, my company focuses on patient experience and we built a solution that works specifically for that. A lot of success today is on very you know, market specific or use specific uh, forms of AI. I think what you'll see in the future is more general purpose AI, uh, more hammers looking for nails becoming more effective. Um, but right now, I still see AI as having the most bang for the buck on very specific applications. For example, what my company Now, artificial intelligence is kind of a scary phrase for a lot of people because they fear the being taken over by computer and robot overlords. And But I've always believe that a tool is just what you allow it to do. And the great thing about AI is it has the ability to be whatever the person using it wants it to be. I mean, if I hand you a hammer, it's a hammer. Now, you might be able to use it as a paperweight or a golf club, but ultimately it's a hammer. AI is a tool that's so flexible that you can apply to so many different problems that when another industry, and you talked about being compartmentalized and, and staying in a domain, something that's learned about in, let's say, lung research with AI, you in, in patient experience might be able to take something that they learned to go, oh, look, we can use that. And that'll help us learn specifically. There's a lot of common knowledge, even though everything's compartmentalized. So you're right. What's really interesting is there's this saying that the algorithms are free. It's the, the data is the secret sauce. So what's interesting is some of the same algorithms that they will, that say a company analyzing lung screenings, uh, the same algorithms that they use to do that are probably some of the same algorithms that we use at Narrative DX. There's cutting edge research by folks at Google, Facebook, and things like that, where the cutting edge algorithms are out there publicly available in research papers. The trick is taking that and building up a, a reference data set specific to your domain. So you're exactly right. The algorithms are largely general purpose. What you see is people building specialty data sets to make them valuable in a specific domain. I've always been a firm believer that mathematics is a universal language. And if that's the case, then that would mean that science would be the music of the universe. And you're taking mathematics and science and kind of removing that artificial veneer that gets applied to those by people who don't understand them. And you're able to bring the human factor into that somewhat sterile computation and ultimately, you're able to create a better human interaction because of the use of the tools. That's exactly right. So one thing I think in healthcare, especially uh, on the cl clinical side of things, is that right now the value of AI isn't replacing doctors, nor do I think should it be. It's helping people be more effective and more accurate in the work that they have to do day to day. 
things like scheduling, things like patient preferences being brought to the front so the doctor can act on them. Things like that are the, are the current and next couple year values of AI, really being able to make things a little more personalized, but nothing kind of like, you know, overarching Skynet style things. I mean, just honestly, we're not there. Let's talk about AI for just a minute and and let's expand a little more on that with AI being a companion and, and an assistant or a tool that can be leveraged by a healthcare professional, a doctor or a nurse or uh, a physician's assistant. So an AI never misses its morning cup of coffee. It didn't have to skip lunch. It's not worried about, oh, I've got to get to this little league game. AI is able to focus 100% on what you tell it to focus on. And that frees up the human diagnostic side and interpretive side that comes from all those years in medical school that the actual medical professionals excel at. AI doesn't excel at those type of diagnoses yet. That's, that's true. But let me tell you where AI really falls short. Of all the comments, I've looked at, my system's looked at over a million patient comments over the past couple of years, and the number one thing that patients say they want over and over is empathy and understanding from their doctors. That's simply something that technology cannot provide. I view AI's job as helping get all of the things out of the way for the doctor, all the noise, so the doctor can focus on the importance of the doctor-patient relationship and conveying both the quality of the medical treatment, but also the empathy and kindness that people expect and need from their doctors. You could basically, you could say that artificial intelligence is a form of noise isolation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Out of all, back to your example about all of the data points that are out there. How do you know what to focus on? How do you know what's important? How could you even consider it all at one time, that's really what AI helps us do. At the core, AI is really just statistics. I mean, the techniques have existed for a long time. What we've lacked is the ability to put those into computing forms like we do today, where they're very easily accessible by lots of people. They're, you know, the techniques are largely known. It's things like logistical regression and you know things you might learn in Stat 201 or something like that. It's just that people have built tools where it's very easy now for you know someone sitting at home in their basement to build something that can pretty easily have some value in a in a difficult space like healthcare. Let's take a moment and let's project out into the future just for a moment. AI is able to parse massive amounts of information, customer uh sorry, customer patient preferences, previous outcomes, degree of success, um all, all the myriad and in, innumerable factors that go into each individual patient's experience. What do you see as being some of the inescapable positives that we're going to see coming in the future as AI becomes more fully fleshed out, more uh, focused, and more efficient? I think an inescapable positive will be that physicians and, and your healthcare providers will have the ability uh, to understand at a more detailed level both the treatment options for you, say based on your on your genetics, what's good for you, but also 
do you know simple things like do you like being called Bob instead of Robert? And when you're in the hospital, do you like vegan food instead of, you know, the meat option? All of those sorts of things, I think you'll see being baked into EMRs and things like that in the next five to 10 years. But what is not going to be a, a clear cut uh, value from all this is how it's used, right? All of that information can be used for good. It can be used to provide better care and do those things. It could also be used to market certain drugs to you and things like that. So I think there's still a lot of devil in the details about how these things are implemented and what they're implemented for. But I think the clear value is there will be the ability to offer personalized medicine and personalized experiences in the near term future. So as healthcare becomes more personalized, which it sounds totally ridiculous to have to even say that's a thing that needs to happen, you would think from the beginning, well, of course, it's a person, they're sick, it's person, you know, you would think you would tailor as much as you could your treatment of that patient. So let's talk about AI, personalization, and reality from your standpoint. So I'm going to put you on the spot with this last question. I know you don't spend a lot of time watching movies. People who are incredibly creative and technical just don't. But if you had watched movies in the last few years and those movies had involved some degree of commentary on AI, have you seen something or which movie have you seen that you think, huh, they're pretty close to getting it right? Wow. Um, honestly, the, the more far out in the future things look, the less I think they're right. Um, I think of, I still think of AI as kind of a nuts and bolts toolkit people use today. Um, I don't, I don't see movies like Star Trek or things like that and think that, you know, we're going to get to there. I, I, oh, here's a, here's a concrete example. Do you remember Star Trek from, you know, the sixties and seventies? They'd have these holographic displays and things like that. There are actually things today that do that. They use LED lights and they have to move around and things like that. But that they got that right. You can actually have a three-dimensional topographical map made of holograms today. It's just kind of hard to do. But that's exactly what we're talking about. So I'd have to say, I'd look backwards. I'd say 60, 70 Star So Trek. what you're saying, it sounds like, is you're now going to take on the project of creating a food recombinator that can make whatever I want out of a little capsule. Let's call it, let's split that 50-50. We can go with that. I have had the pleasure today of speaking to the founder and CEO of Narrative DX, Kyle Robertson. Kyle, thanks for taking the time. I hope I have a chance to talk to you again in the future, and I hope you have a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.